It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back here in the driver's seat. We got one final day this week of coverage as Texas A&M begins their two-week roundabout in the SEC to close out the season with a chance to upset both Georgia and LSU. But the journey starts this weekend on the road in Athens at Sanford Stadium, kickoff at 2.30 when the A&M Aggies will take on the number four ranked Bulldogs. Guys, if you're not following us on social media already, come on, you know you want to. It's very simple. It's three easy names you got to remember. One, at Locked On Aggies. Two, at Aggies SI. Remember, Aggie Maven of Sports Illustrated and the Locked On Podcast Network have partnered together to give you quality content surrounding all things Texas A&M. You can check that out at si.com slash T-A-M-U and at Aggies SI. And if you want to follow me, get your questions read on Friday or we're going to move it to actually Wednesday next week for Asking Aggies. Just give me a compliment. Say what's up. Follow us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. It's really simple. It's my name. I'm a mister. That's simple. Mr. Cole Thompson at Aggies SI and at Locked on Aggies. Again, guys, it's Friday, which means it's Fan Friday. It's Asking Aggies Day. I want to answer some of your questions surrounding Texas A&M this past weekend. There's a couple of good ones out there. There's a lot that I really liked on Facebook. I have some friends who texted me some questions that they want answered. But we're going to start looking ahead at what to expect this upcoming weekend between these two teams. So why don't we look starting ahead for A&M's offense. To me, when you look at this A&M team, the last time they played on the road, they were coming off of a loss to Alabama. And while Kellen Mond played pretty well in that Alabama game, a loss is a loss, and you're going to have some missteps because if you're trying not to create the same type of mistakes once again, that's going to be the case this upcoming week, I think. I don't think that is the case, actually. That's that's my, my apologies. I think it's not going to be the case because when you're on a roll and a winning streak like AM is, four straight games they've won, and they've won pretty significantly in all f- in the last three at home. You look at the Mississippi State game, yeah, they kind of let State come back a little bit at the end. But overall, five-touchdown performance by Mond is exactly what you want to talk about. They steamrolled over UTSA thanks to a 217-yard game by freshman Isaiah Spiller. And then this past weekend against South Carolina, it was close. And then thanks to a Cordarian Richardson 75-yard touchdown run followed by a Kellen Mond touchdown, it would go to 30-6 to to end the game, all in favor of AM. It's got to stay that kind of way, in my opinion. You have to be able to come out hot against a Georgia team. Because Georgia right now on defense has struggled, personally, in my opinion. I, I think that Georgia continues to allow teams to kind of fight their way back. And that's because of the offense will go three and out. The defense won't have a break. The offense will then go three and out following like a field goal or maybe a touchdown. And that allows A&M or any team in that matter to kind of chip away at that lead. That's going to be the case this upcoming weekend. Now we've seen A&M before chip away at a lead and that was against Auburn. Now Auburn this past weekend chipped away at a lead against Georgia. The one thing that I will say for AM is because of they're known for coming back, and they've been that way under Fisher. They they came back against Clemson last year, they came back against LSU, they got that big time win. They can do it. 
But when they finally get on a roll, they have to consistently be on it. That's going to be my big key for AM's offense. They could start slow. You can say that they could maybe go three and out. Maybe Kellen Mann has a turnover. Maybe the offense isn't thriving. They're down 14 nothing. But once they get that first score, offensively, they have to score. They just have to continue to score. Not because of they have to match whatever Georgia's doing, but because of eventually Georgia will slip up on defense. They could just go field goal, Seth Small, 37-yarder, 42-yarder, 45-yarder, 9 points. Eventually, one of the players on Georgia is going to cause a penalty, 15 yards, 5 yards, whatever it is, and then you take that shot. You get that shot, that's 6 points. That's what I talk about by when they score, they need to be on a roll. You can't go touchdown, punt, 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 field goal, touchdown, field goal, punt, 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 touchdown. It has to be punt, 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 touchdown, field goal, field goal, field goal, touchdown, field goal, field goal. That's what you got to do. You got to continue to score offensively. It doesn't matter how they start. It matters whenever they finally get those first points on the board. They continue to rack them up. Because Georgia's defense has the ability to create turnovers. They have the ability to pass rush, but they haven't shown it in recent weeks. And the way AM's offensive line has looked at times this year, they might be able to pressure Mott. So you want to be able to get that score, find the weakness, pinpoint it, and attack. Now, defensively for AM, the one thing that I'm going to look at specifically is how they deal with the run game. DeAndre Swift right now is second in the SEC in rushing yards. You can't take anything away from RBU. And yes, in my personal opinion right now, you could argue Ohio State and you could argue Georgia. Those are the two that I think you look at and go, yep, that's running back That's running back university. Yeah, you can throw Alabama, I think, into the mix a little bit, but those are the main two in my personal opinion right now. So Georgia is known for producing talent, and they're doing it again this year with DeAndre Swift. 1,000 yards on the year. Uh, I think it's 1,027 at this point. Seven touchdowns. You got to limit his big-time runs because he can rush, but those numbers, that 6.2 yards per carry, that's fluxed over several big-time carries in a game. That's not him consistently moving the rock six yards per play. He'll get stuffed, and then he'll come back, and then he'll have a 25-yard run. Get those three-yard runs. Because what you're going to do is you're going to force Jake Fromm to pass. And when you lose out on the talent that he did last year, it's nice that he has a guy like Lawrence Kager who comes in from Miami and contributes immediately. But you're starting kind of over. This has been the first year where Fromm, at this point, has not thrown for over 2,000 yards. That's number one. And number two, he hasn't had a consistent core like he did. When they went to the national championship, they were led by Chubb and Michelle. They weren't led by Jake Fromm. Last year, they had a good passing game, but he lost guys like Isaac Nada and Nicole Hardman. This year, he's going to be having the pressure put on him. So imagine if the pa- if the defensive line, the front seven even, can hold Swift to four-yard carry, two-yard carry, two-yard carry, punt, next next drive, 
four yard carry, minus yard carry. Eventually, Fromm's gonna have to pass the ball. If they can force Jake Fromm to pass, the way the secondaries looked with guys like Charles Oliver stepping up in the slot position, with guys such as Debony Renfro coming in, Elijah Blades, even though he's been a little under the injured bug right now, still making plays in coverage. You look at guys like that, Damani Richardson, Keldrick Harper as the free safety roaming across the top. That's going to cause a turnover in some point in the game. I don't know who's going to get it. I don't know how it's going to happen. But a turnover will come. From, if you pressure him early, and he throws an early turnover, it leads to good signs. Because there was four turnovers in the team's only loss, and that was to South Carolina. Four turnovers by your junior quarterback who knows the system pretty dang well. If AM can get that weakness out, I think it's going to be a pretty, pretty good day for AM. Hey, but you know what else is a really good day for AM? Any day that you're on our podcast at Locked On Aggies and you get to have your question answered across the air. We have coming up Asking Aggies with me, Cole Thompson, and we'll be bringing that up in just a quick moment. Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson still here in the driver's seat, getting you ready for tomorrow's action as Texas A&M will travel to Sanford Stadium to take on the number four ranked Georgia Bulldogs and start possibly playing the Cinderella Popper game. You know, because guess guess what? A&M wins the next two games. That guarantees one of two things. Number one, an SCC team will go and only one SEC team will go to the college football playoff. And number two, they can make a case to be in that maybe New Year's Six at-large bid. Because think about this for a second. If Georgia loses to A&M this weekend, and then they lose in the SEC championship to LSU, or possibly, just possibly, there's a slim chance, it's not a big one, but there is a slim one, Alabama. Are you really going to say that A&M couldn't be in that same conversation as Georgia with three losses? Because each will have three losses on the year. One will be in a championship game, but the other one will be because of that other loss came to the team that's also 9-3. and three. Now, they have to finish 9-3, and three, of course, to be considered a New Year's Six Bowl team, but anything's possible, in my opinion. I really do believe that. I believe that if A&M comes out fast against both these teams and they go 9-3, and three, the College Football Playoff Committee might consider them as the SEC at-large bid team on top of Alabama, who probably will get the Sugar Bowl bid should LSU represent the SEC in the conference in the College Football Playoff. But all those questions could be answered on Asking Aggies. This is the part of the show on Friday. We're actually going to move it to Wednesday starting next week. So make sure you got your questions ready going to get there for LSU, getting to look at some bowl games possibly. But we're going to move this to Wednesday. But it's all your questions that you put on Facebook, all your questions you sent me via text or on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram. I do it all. I'll answer any one of your questions. So why don't we get started? This comes from JC. Who do you think will lead AM tomorrow in receiving yards? That's a pretty good question because right now you look at AM as a whole and the guys are pretty evenly matched. And that includes freshman tight end Jalen Weidemeyer. You look at the top six options right now for Texas AM and they kind of match pretty well across, or at least all are being a huge part of the factor. 
You All six guys have at least 20 receptions on the year. Anaya Smith comes in last at 20, and Isaiah Spiller comes in with 22. They all have over 150 receiving yards. They're all averaging at least 8 yards per catch, and except for Spiller, all of them have at least 2 touchdowns on the year. But I think you gotta look at the top 3 guys right now, and that would be Jamon Osmond, Courtney Davis, and Jalen Weidemeyer. Osmond's leading the way with 54 receptions, 744 receiving yards, three touchdowns. Davis matches him in pretty close to receptions, 41, 489, averaging 11.9 yards per catch, four touches on the year. But my pick's going to be the one that probably people are already expecting because of at the same time, they don't know how to cover tight ends in Georgia. And so I'm going to go with Jalen Weidemeyer. When you have a 246-5 tight end prospect who's been shredding defenses over the past several weeks, and you're going up against a team that doesn't know how to play in coverage, especially at the weak linebacker position, that's a huge plus in your column. So I think for sure he's going to lead the team in receiving yards and touchdowns. Now, it may be only one touchdown. You may rely on Cordarian Richardson and Spiller to carry the way. But through the air, touchdown-wise, in the red zone, that's my first guy I'm checking down. I'm looking to see if he's open every single time, especially the way that he's played in the last several weeks. After that, I go to Kendrick Rogers in the red zone. After that, I go to Osmond because Osmond's been reliable. So I could see Osmond maybe leading the way in receiving catches, but in receiving yards... I think it's Weidemeyer. I think Weidemeyer is going to be the guy that you're going to watch out for this weekend, and he's going to continue to take that next step to become the face of AM's offense to pair along with guys like Smith and Baylor Cup for the long-term future. Moving on to the next question. Jason, who has more rushing yards, Richardson or Spiller? Pretty good question, actually. I, I get how people want to know this one because when you look at these two, they've both been successful in their own way. One is a breakaway kind of guy, and that's Richardson. He has had several games this season where he's had one or two big-time runs. Last week, of course, the 75-yard touchdown run. He also had a 17-yard touchdown reception, so he's been effective overall. And then you have Reliable Spiller, who ranks 8th in the SEC right now in in rushing yards and has had, I believe, three. Yeah, three 100-yard rushing games, including the 217-yard game a couple weeks ago. This is a tough one because I could see Richardson getting that 98-yard touchdown run in the red zone and then him being kind of done for the day. Where Spiller, on the other hand, is going to be the guy who gets more carries and gets more opportunities to be that level, to be that guy who at least finishes with the lead. But Georgia's front seven's pretty good. So let's throw your curveball. Kellen Mond is going to lead the way with rushing tomorrow. The way that the offensive line has looked at times this season, the way that he's been under pressure, and the way that, I will say, I do think that Kirby Smart's secondary is the reason why the team is successful. So if there's no open target, Mond's going to keep it himself, and he's going to do what he can to pick up that first down. I could see everyone sitting right in that 50 to 70 range And I could see Mon leading the way with probably about 75, 80 yards on the ground. Maybe a touchdown. But of those two, I would go with Richardson, actually. I think Richardson gets one or two big-time runs, but they still fall behind Kellen Mon. That's that's my opinion. we got time for a few more. I'm going to go over, let's see, which one do I like? 
like Kyle, Kyle, who do you think has been the most impressive freshman this year for Texas a Spiller's a good option. Weidemeyer's a good option. Smith is a pretty good option for the long-term future. Kenyon Green is a pretty good one. DeMarvin Leal, since he's been healthy, I think is a good one. But I'm going to go Damani Richardson. To me, this is who you're going to build your defense around. A guy who has transformed to what the game is turning into. Safeties that hit like linebackers but can move like corners, can cause turnovers, can add pressure, can blitz, can kind of be a do-it-all type player. I think that he's been the most impressive guy, and I think that because of the success that he's had and the anticipation for him to be a part of this team early on in his career, that really helped him, in my personal opinion. I think that that really helped him mature faster, grow, and become the player that he is now. He is second on the team in tackles, and he missed a game, and he's still second on the team in tackles. I don't know how you can say anyone else is deserving of it, because if I do think that you could argue both Weidemeyer and Spiller were good players, especially as freshmen, but neither one was expected to contribute. Meanwhile, Richardson was expected to contribute, and he's done all that and more since coming into College Station. That's going to do it for Asking Aggies this week. But hey, you know what? The show's not over. We still got plenty to talk about, including the state of the SEC. Now, while this might be the game of the week, there's still several other games going on across the conference as teams get ready for their rivalry week next week. So we're going to go and we're going to preview every single one of those games, including the game between the hedges. Is Georgia's run defense going to be able to stop the new and improved run game out in Aggieland or... Could Kellen Mond be the reason why this team wins? Is Jake Fromm going to be the hero? We're going to break all that down, and we're going to give you our prediction of who's going to win in just a short moment. Guys, talking about erectile dysfunction is not an easy task to do. Usually, we just brush it off or blame it on ourselves, saying, I've lost my mojo, or I'm just not feeling it tonight, or whatever excuse you like to use. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan, and if medication's appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with a free two-day shipping option. The whole process is straightforward and discreet, so get started real fast by going to GetRoman.com locked and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now with Roman, there's an answer for everything. So make sure you go check it out at GetRoman.com locked to get a free online checkup today. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Guys, if you're not checking out any of our shows besides Locked On Aggies, what are you guys doing? Come on, it's a great program with the Locked On Podcast Network. There's some great shows. We have the NHL shows that are going on, Locked On NHL. You got all your channels that way. And you got Rivalry Week coming up, so you're going to want to hear both sides of the story instead of wondering what maybe one team is thinking. Especially, you're going to want to check out Locked on Tigers, the LSU podcast that's right across the street as we prepare to talk to them sometime next week as A&M looks to also be the first team to possibly dethrone the top-ranked Tigers. It's time for the State of the SEC part of the show. This is where we go ahead and we look at the games ahead and who could be a team maybe on the upset, who could be a team that maybe has 
a chance to really boost their schedule. Maybe gain some ground. So why don't we start ahead and we just go to number 15 Auburn kicking off against Samford right up the road in Birmingham. The biggest thing is I want to see Bo Nix take that next step as a passer. You know, you look at his numbers. He has 2,043 passing yards on the year. He's no, more known for his legs than his arm. But against an FCF school, you want to make sure that you're going to be the quarterback of the future. So right now, I think Auburn's going to win this game pretty significantly. They're going to be able to, I think, destroy the Bulldogs. But you want to make sure that at the same time, Bo Nix is your option. So don't be shocked if you see some of the other guys who maybe could be in the running next year, especially if Gus Malzahn rumors are true for him being on the hot seat. If all that is possible, you could see maybe Bo Nix not be the future. But I still think that Auburn will get that win. Heading over to Lexington, Kentucky, we have the Wildcats looking to clinch a spot in their bowl game going up against UT Martin. UT Martin is 7-4, but they are an FCS school. Let's see what Lynn Bowden Jr. can do. The all-purpose back, the all-purpose player has dominated against SEC opponents this year. He's leading the way in rushing. He's leading the way in receiving. I think this is going to be a pretty good win, and this will be the win that gets Kentucky back to bowl season once again. They'll finish at least with a 6-6 six and six record, if not a 7-5 and five record to end the year. I'm going to go Kentucky gets a big-time win this upcoming weekend. We definitely know that Vanderbilt is not going to be in the bowl season. They're sitting at 2-8. and eight. They just want to finish the year off on a right note. And they're going to have a pretty good chance against Eastern Tennessee State University. God, I mean, let's just be real on this. If they can't get that win and the reports are true that the team is sticking with Derek Mason at the end of the year, that's going to be bad. In the Southern Division alone, ETSU is 1-7. Now, I'm not saying that Vanderbilt has anything to brag about because they're coming in with a 1-6 and six record in conference play, but that's Southern versus the SEC. If Riley Neal and Sean Vaughn can't get it together this game, there's more problems in the coaching staff, I think, than there are on the actual players. So I do think that Vanderbilt gets the win. They'll at least have three wins on the year. They're going to get a big-time win. They're going to get a win that's probably, probably a 30-point win in this one. That'd be my bet. We're going to go back to Alabama real fast, and we're going to talk about number five Alabama taking on Western Carolina, who comes in with a three and eight record, two and six in Southern play. The main storyline is going to be this. What are we going to see from Mac Jones? Mac Jones is leading the way the rest of the year. He's going to play against Western Carolina, and he's going to get the start against Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Can he take the right step? I know it's Western Carolina, but you still want to see your guys taking those proper steps down the field. And the biggest thing is, you look at Mac Jones and what happened when he came into the game against Mississippi State. They got three points. Now is it three points for Alabama. If Tua did not play that game and Mac Jones only got those three points, Alabama would be sitting with two losses right now. Because it would have been a 7-3 to three game. You can't have that. So I think Alabama gets the win. I'm definitely taking the under on this. I don't care. I need to see what Mac Jones can do and if he's going to be able to take the next step moving forward. We're going to go talk about Abilene Christian traveling to Starkville. That is a 7.30 kickoff. The Bulldogs need to win out. They need to win the Egg Bowl and this game to go to bowl season. I'm going to be honest. This is the one game that I could see maybe if Garrett Schrader or Tommy Stevens is not on the right page with Joe Moorhead and especially if Kylan Hill is not playing in this game, 
maybe Abilene Christian could be the upset. Maybe. I'm not saying they will. I'm saying maybe. They're not going to. I, I do think Mississippi State gets the win no matter what. They're going to at least have a chance against Ole Miss next week to possibly win out, finish 6-6, six and six, and head back to bowl season play. We're going to go 7-30 kickoff in Columbia, Missouri. We have 5-5, five and five, the Tigers taking on 5-5, five and five, Tennessee. Tennessee is one win away from going back to the bowl season. Meanwhile, Missouri, that looked like they were a contender, has dropped two straight, three straight actually. Is Kelly Bryant going to take that next step? Is Jared Guantano going to be the guy who gets Tennessee back into the into the play? I'm going to go with my gut, and I'm going to go Missouri gets the win with Kelly Bryant. I think that you can still see Tennessee make the run for the playoffs. I definitely think, not the playoffs, the, the bowl season. They can definitely get a win next week. But I think Missouri has more to play for right now because of the way that they've started and the way that they've looked at times. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to say Missouri gets the win. Meanwhile, we go back to Tigers Stadium for a 7 o'clock kickoff as the Tigers host Arkansas. Guys, we're not even going to do this one. It's, it's going to be LSU. Arkansas doesn't have a head coach right now. They're still trying to figure out what direction they're going in. They're still trying to figure out who maybe is their quarterback. They still have all those issues. This should be a pretty, pretty easy win for Ed Orgeron, for Joe Burrow, and for LSU as they prepare to really take on their next opponent in Texas A&M. Which brings us to the final team to cover this week, Texas A&M versus Georgia. Guys, this is going to be a well-fought game. I really do believe that. I think no matter win or lose, this is going to be the game that you want to see. Keep in mind, Georgia's only dropped to number four in the rankings right now, and they started the season off at number three. Their one loss came to a double overtime, which could mean anything happens, victory against South Carolina, who Texas A&M just beat last week. I think that it's all going to rely on Kellen Mond. Has he improved on the road? Has he improved away from Kyle Field? If he has, and he limits his turnovers, and he limits his play, and he can get the offense on a roll, I definitely think A&M is in contention. I have gotten every single game right this year including a few where I've said it was going to be either a blowout or it was going to be pretty close. I said that against Arkansas, it was going to be a close game. I still believe that. So, with my personal belief, I think A&M gets the win. I do. I think A&M is going to be able to pull out this victory. I don't think Georgia has been as impressive as everyone else says. I do think that they have their moments and they have their flashiness, but if the defense can hold and get a big-time stop against the run game, and force Jake Fromm to pass, and Kellen Mond can get this offense going in the right direction, it may come down to a Seth Small field goal, but we know his range. It's anywhere between 35 and about 43. If we can get that kind of kick, they can get that kick, A&M wins the game. I'm going to go pretty close. I'm going to go 38-34 to in favor of the Aggies. The Aggies will improve to 8-3 and on the year, going into Tiger Stadium with a chance to finish 9-3, and and that will also probably more than likely eliminate Georgia's chances at the college football playoff. You're welcome, Oklahoma. You're welcome, Baylor. You're welcome, Pac-12. A&M fans will be thanking you. You can be thanking all those A&M fans for all the work that A&M did this past week. That's going to do it for this week and this episode of Locked on Aggies. Guys, make sure you're following us on social media at Locked on Aggies, at Aggies SI, and if you want to follow me, ask questions for asking Aggies or just say, hey, Cole, you're doing a dang good job. You can follow me at Mr. Cole Thompson. It's really simple. I'm a mister. My name is Cole Thompson at Mr. Cole Thompson. We'll be back on Monday to discuss and recap what went right, what possibly went wrong 
out in the hedges out in Sanford Stadium. But until next time, this has been Locked on Aggies. Don't go anywhere. We will see you next week. And remember, y'all, gig them. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.